Hi, how are you? You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Writer Ali Gaunt and dietitian Jess Beaton have been producing their blog, One-Handed Cooks, for many years now. They were so popular online that they brought their recipes to the real world and published several books. Their latest collaboration is called Boosting Your Basics, Making the Most of Every Family Meal Type from Baby to School Age. And it looks to me like a Bible of everything you ever need to know, plus a little bit extra you didn't even realize you needed to know. <laughs> Ali, Jess, welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Thanks, Thank Siobhan. you. Now, in the time that I've known you both, so I've mentioned that you've been writing one-handed cooks for a long time, and we met several years ago now. You've both had more babies over that period of time. My question is, do you keep having children so that you can cover the age range? Because you've got children in primary school now, which you're writing for in this book. You've got smaller children. You've got toddlers and a baby on the way. Is this the idea? Did you get together and say, look, Ali, Jess, we've just got to keep having babies? We aren't just having babies to write books. <laughs> <laughs> Although it helps the inspiration and the, um, the journey of feeding and catering to multiple preferences at the one meal time because, yes. as you would know, Siobhan, no child is the same and they all like different foods and um, different textures, different flavours. So, yeah, it's certainly, I'm yeah, we're living it. Yeah, you are so living it. And that's what I find really interesting, um, even in the story about one-handed cooks, because over time you must have also developed your thought processes. So you started off with the solids for babies and then the toddler stage. And, I mean, do you feel like as a collaboration you've grown over the years? years and expanded the range of things you can do because both your children are getting older and your audience is growing as well. Yeah, I think so. I Before I had kids, I did nanny for a range of kids. So that I knew what was coming uh, and I knew what I wanted to try and avoid. So I had that insight. But um, yeah, definitely. And also Jess and I talk about this all the time. Our kids are all really different. So you know, even the guidelines are different now than they used to be when we first started solids. So I think you're you're right in saying that because our challenges that come are definitely new. You know, we're packing lunch boxes now every morning and we've got older kids, Harry's seven, so yeah, lots of new challenges and I think that's where this book came from. And, and you also sorry to speak over you there. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. I just think that there's such a focus now too on one meal for the whole family and the importance of the shared family meal and sitting down together and with older children now it's becoming sort of more practical um, more efficient and also um, more achievable to do that as well even if you know we can't all be at the same time but if at least one parent sitting down at the um, at the main meal time with the kids we're able to talk about that more too and show the importance and highlight the challenges of that. Because that's the thing, this book is um, obviously there's, there's recipes, there's 100 plus family friendly recipes and we will talk about the One Meal for All because that was um, when one of my favourite things to talk to you about and believe I could achieve One Meal for Everyone. Um, but interspersed between the recipes, you have the advice that you've always included in your magazines and then books. 
why is it so important for you to not just have recipes, but to include those things like the importance of sitting down as a family to eat, Jess, or um, fussy eaters and what's behind that? You you also always have that information in between. Mm-hmm. Why do that as well as have the recipes? Jess and I talk about this all the time, that it's actually sometimes more important about the how you feed rather than the what you feed. So for us, with all our books, we try to sort of give people the answers before they get to those struggles. And I think that's a feedback from the first book, which was really lovely to hear, was that a lot of people said, we don't have fussy eaters because of your first book. And so now we need more. You know, now we, we're really into the family meals. And so that's what we want is to move on to that. So that was really nice feedback, I think, for us to, to hear people say that because that's exactly the way that we plan our books. So, yeah. So we speak to parents now of all different age groups, but say someone's listening whose baby has just started solids. Um, You've mentioned there that some of the ways you've approached your recipes have helped parents avoid troubles further on and probably fussy eating is one of the biggest challenges for parents. Um, Just how does the way you, you think about these recipes help in that period when a child is starting solids to avoid problems down the track? There's a few different approaches that we do highlight and one of them is introducing that texture early. So if you're spoon feeding your baby, introducing a bit of mixed textures or just some finger foods along the puree so they learn to pick up and chew and use their oral motor skills because sometimes children start to refuse foods simply because they don't know how to eat them uh, not because they're just trying to be difficult difficult (laughs) (laughs) exactly thanks for putting that word in for me Um, the other thing is that we really try again along the family meals um, which both Ali and I have experienced when introducing um, solids to our third baby is giving them the family food and family meals right from the start. So they learn those flavours and textures um, rather than simple single purees. So you're, like I said, that that one meal three ways is a very attractive concept. Um, Can you explain, maybe choose your favourite recipe, how that breaks down. Because some people might go, so I'm cooking one pot of pasta and one pot of vegetable, you know, like they're actually thinking one meal, three ways. What does that mean exactly? So can you pick one of your recipes that you think demonstrates well how you can do that? Uh, One of the ones that I really enjoyed cooking, particularly coming into the cooler months, um, is the slow cooker lamb shank pies. So um, for the adults, you you know, you just simply slow cook the lamb shanks with some um, tomatoes and veggies, so carrot, onion, garlic, um, anything you wanted. You could add peas, broccoli, anything that you've got in the fridge, um, and you incorporate that into a nice hearty pie for an adult, so a family size or individuals. For the toddlers, you might like to make little um, easy-to-pick-up pastry triangles and for the baby you can just spoon out some of the mixture so using no added salt tin tomatoes and not adding any salt um, and using a bit of no added salt stock rather than perhaps red wine um, makes it safe for the babies to eat and stirring through some quinoa or some brown rice or small pasta can turn that into a spoon-fed meal and for the older babies you can add some um, 
or even the younger babies, some steamed veggie sticks too on the side to introduce some finger foods. So, and and those one meal three ways, they don't have to eat them all at the same time if you are still struggling to sit down at the one time because of timing, because the baby likes to eat earlier than the adults, you can um, break up the meal times too. So one of my things now at the moment, my children are a bit older and my baby making days are done, but I know that there's lots of people listening who have babies and I feel like it's my duty to help them avoid the mistakes that I have made because I have a very fussy eater. And I remember one of the things people used to say to me and probably you guys said it to me as well, was to keep introducing, keep putting out the same vegetable or whatever many times, even if they refuse it. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. I can't believe it. That's so, you know, such a waste of food. But the one vegetable I did that to, they both eat. Mm. And the only reason I did it was because I love that vegetable. And I'm like, if there's one vegetable I'm going to get you to eat, it's this one. And I wasn't consciously thinking that through. It it turns out to be broccoli, which is my favorite veggie. And they both eat broccoli now. They're four and seven. So what is the science behind that? And is there any way of making it less painful? (laughs) Well, I think you've just proved the power of role modeling haven't (laughs) you like you know they're going to eat what their parents eat and that's why we love family food so much because they come to the table they're excited to talk to their parents or care or whoever and they're seeing them enjoy it and so they're more inclined to enjoy it themselves so what about that you know I mean, I did put it out because I was eating it, but that idea of presenting a food Mm. X amount of times before they will eat it. Well, that's in the book. We've got a lot of ways that you can smuggle veggies or hide veggies in there, but we're not intentionally doing that to hide them. We also want to talk about how you should introduce, incorporate those foods on the side as well for them to experiment with. So for instance, I'll use the example of my daughter. She loves pies. We've got a meaty bread pie in there and in that pie is peas. She will see those peas in there. So I will actually not put them into the sauce because she'll refuse the whole pie if I do that. But I will put the peas on the side of her tasting plate and she can choose whether she eats them or not, but they're there. So that exposure, you know, is always there. And occasionally she will pick one up. Occasionally she'll try one. You know, it's just constant, constant um, exposure, but also serve it different ways. Don't always serve it the same way. I think that's also the key. Tasting plates. I think I first heard about those with you guys as well. Um, Is it just a matter of getting a plate with sections on it? I mean, what's the idea behind that, Jess? Well, um, one thing we love to talk about is the division of responsibility. And it comes um, as well in line with what you were talking about with the broccoli and those consistent offerings so that children become familiar and exposed to what they see. So, with a tasting plate, um, particularly for fussy eaters or younger children that you're trying to introduce new foods to, but they also have their firm favourites, you can um, offer a plate of food. doesn't have to be sectioned, but certainly for kids that like their food to be Not separate. <laughs> yes. Or if they don't like to see, um, you know, if they can be anxious about certain foods, they're a little bit away from their favourites. You don't want them to refuse their favourites. So a tasting plate is essentially a variety of foods served on a plate and you have got one or two of the foods that they like and then one or two of the foods that they perhaps don't like or that you're introducing. So when they sit down to the table at first, 
all they say is the foods that they love. So initially that anxiety is gone. They're a bit more calm, a bit more perhaps eager and interested to engage in foods that they aren't yet comfortable with. So they'll gobble up if they're hungry, the foods that they like, and then they might sort of touch and poke the ones that they're less familiar with. Is that hot? Is that crunchy? What do I have to use to eat and chew that? And um, and if you're eating it a small portion at the same time or have got it as part of your meal, then again, you're role modeling and demonstrating how to chew it. Because sometimes they won't eat it because they just don't know how to. Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's my advice. Just keep offering because it's the one thing I did, it actually worked. <laughs> it's really it's really lovely to hear stories of people um, that have come out the other side yes. and are enjoying vegetables that, um, you know, that other people's children are refusing. Yeah. And, you know, you didn't go through the battle of forcing or bribing and it was just that constant exposure and role modeling. So yeah. there's so many of, so many mums out there that are just, a bit stuck. Yeah. And just and think you it's never ending. And, in the... yeah. and then it can get, it comes good if yes. you just relax maybe. Look, I really love your chapter on a healthy party. Did your um, children just get lots of parties for you to test out the food <laughs> with them? <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, parties are a great way to actually expose them to other kinds of food and to show them balance and moderation. And we do have tips in there, you know, how you can, instead of just having a smorgasbord of party food that when you first arrive at a party and you're hungry, you just attack, just to have a few healthy options on the table and you'll be surprised what they choose. You know, they it's better if they fill up on some more filling options, I suppose, more nutritious options even. Um, and then they can attack the party food. But really, it's all about them having fun and enjoying it. Because there's some really fun-looking um, recipes in that chapter. Yes. Do you have a favourite? I think for me it's the choc zucchini slice because yeah. I um, I just love that slice. It's such a classic. And I love that there's zucchini in there. You can't see it or taste it. <laughs> Everybody loves it. It's a fantastic one. And do you have a favourite? Well, I cook that often for lunchboxes too, mm, so it is yep. one of my favourite. The boys love the um, pink lemonade as well with lemons and raspberries and crushed ice. And oh, it's quite yum. refreshing but and it's appealing for kids at a party that want the juice or the cordial. And there is some sugar, but there's no artificial colours or flavours. So and I want um, one of them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Um, now, your final chapter is about sensory play. Um, going back to what I said at the beginning, that this book has everything plus things you didn't even know you needed. The healthy party is one. The sensory play is another. Why did you include that in the book? Again, it comes back to what Ali was talking about earlier about the how to feed your children rather than the what. So, so many times meals are refused. There's a battle for children to come to the table and we get focused so much on the emotional aspects of feeding children and want them to eat a healthy dinner that um, we just forget about what the child's going through at the time. So, for example, on Monday night, um, hubby had got home early and started prepping some dinner, spaghetti and some meatballs that were in the slow cooker. We were at soccer um, George was running around my eldest. It was hot. We came in and it's either going to go one way. They're starving and they want their dinner now. Or in this case, 
Oh, it's too hot for a hot dinner. I don't want to eat dinner. The two little ones have been dragged around all afternoon. They just wanted to play with cars for a moment. So Charlie and I looked at each other going, okay, let's just sit down and eat our dinner. We had it all set up. And George came to the table saying, oh, I'm not going to eat anything, but I'll come and sit here. And then started munching away at the fruit and veggie platter that was also on the table. And then Louis came up to the table and we didn't make a big fuss. Um, So, for example, some children that have been sitting there concentrating on Lego or they might be sort of a bit zoned out on the TV, if you drag them straight to the table, they need to let go of a few niggles and wriggly. They're not going to sit at the table. So sending them outside for a game of soccer or jump on the trampoline, even walking the dog around the block or if they're old enough, um, just helps that proprioception and calm the, prepare the body because um, eating is so sensory. It uses all the senses in the body. Um, other children that perhaps yeah, are a bit on edge or a bit um, the adrenaline's running through them and don't want to sit down, they might be um, need to play with a bit of Play-Doh or do a few yoga exercises. So, um, yeah. yeah. Interesting, the stages, the steps to get to the table. We've got a whole lot of activities in the book and a bit more information about why that's so important. Yeah. Oh, it's so great and it's so lovely to see you both again. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank, Thank you for having on. us. That was writer Ali Gaunt and dietitian Jess Beaton from One Handed Cooks. Their latest book is called Boosting Your Basics. You'll find links to where you can get a copy in the episode notes. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.